Good evening, I'm Tabby Tyler. And I'm Kate France. And tonight, we talk about Big Turkey. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. Well, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. But we're not here to talk about Thanksgiving. Honestly, the topic of Thanksgiving is a bit overdone. Everybody knows it's a lie. Everyone knows our education system feeds us propaganda. But our recent obsession with presidents and cute animals has made us aware of yet another dark side of our autumnal holiday traditions. Today, we're here to talk about big turkey. I mean, literally big. Yeah, no, those birds are huge. But also how the turkey lobby dictates a lot more than you know. Surprise! This is an anti-consumerism podcast. Released just in time for you to play at the holiday table. Although this isn't going to be a screed. No. Just an episode on how the turkey lobby has distracted the reasonable thinking American consumer with an annual show of brutal pageantry that ironically spares two deserving turkeys from the fate of their less fortunate brethren. Or should I say, featherin. Oh, no. Stop. Ironically, because these birds are too fat to rapture, yet they are at a higher risk of dying because of their conditioning to be unreasonably large so that people can get more bang for their cluck. Okay. Way to ham it up there, Kate. Based in my glory. Clearly, we're referring to the presidential turkey pardon. For the duration of my existence, a president has pardoned one to two turkeys every year on Thanksgiving. They say the life is all about second chances. And this November, I could not agree more. So in the spirit of the season, I have one more gift to give, and it goes to a pair of turkeys named Cobbler and Gobbler. The American people have spoken, and these birds are moving forward. But it wasn't until this year that we started to think, God, how dumb is this? So let's start from the unclear beginning to figure out how this even became a tradition. There is a story about Abraham Lincoln pardoning a turkey. In 1863, a turkey was brought to the Lincolns for Christmas dinner, but Abraham's son, Tad, requested that the turkey live, and thus the first ever turkey was granted presidential clemency, though I'm going to say this story is seemingly an outlier given that Lincoln may also be the reason we eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Yeah, as a quick uh, non sequitur, Lincoln had started the tradition of a Thanksgiving dinner with a roast turkey as the main course, which was apparently his favorite meal. By 1864, organizations across the country had picked up the cause of making sure that soldiers fighting the Civil War could celebrate Thanksgiving in the manner of their president, and that monumental project included collecting turkeys. But we digress. Then there is some story about JFK pardoning a turkey, but most cynics would argue that he only spared it because it wasn't fat enough. After that, we have Reagan. Reagan, while embroiled in the Iran-Contra scandal, was being interviewed about whether or not he was going to pardon Oliver North and John Poindexter. At which point, to change the subject, he retorted that he would have pardoned the Thanksgiving turkey had it not already been on the way to the zoo. And the statement, pardoned the Thanksgiving turkey had it not been already on the way to the zoo, deserves a little explanation. Every year on Thanksgiving, the National Turkey Federation, the largest turkey lobby in the United States, has presented the president with a live turkey, starting with President Truman. 
This gifted turkey was then usually sent to live the duration of his life elsewhere. And it's funny because Truman was proposing a No Poultry Thursday initiative to help save grain and ration food as aid to assist with post-World War II Europe. I'm, I'm sure the National Turkey Federation liked that. Right, right. The official pardoning of a turkey, though, with all of its pomp and circumstance, didn't occur until George Bush Sr. made a show of pardoning the annual gift of the National Turkey Federation. The special guest of honor, the bird over here. I hope you guys have seen him. After participating in this ceremony year after year, I've come to learn a little about the turkey. Uh, for instance, it's had hand-fed, it gets uh, lots of personal attention, and it's overweight. And uh, reminds me of Ranger, who you may have seen running around here, our dog. We've been trying to avoid a confrontation between the turkey and our uh, Springer. But I want to set the guests at ease and tell, especially tell the kids something. After all, this turkey represents America's 45 million turkeys who will begin making their uh, irreplaceable contribution to our Thanksgiving celebration. So take it easy, turkey. We're just here to serve you. And uh, So depending on who you talk to, the origin of the turkey pardon story may change. But it didn't take long before Big Turkey decided they were going to dictate all aspects of the turkey pardon. And what was once a polite annual gift from the turkey lobby quickly became an annual soiree involving absurd ceremony and Hunger Games-like pageantry. Yeah, over the years, the ceremony of turkey gifting has become grander and sillier. The current level of pomp has soared to the point of ridiculousness. If only domesticated turkeys could soar. Oh, so, so these days, two turkeys get sent to the White House, just in case one can't perform on the big day. The two chosen ones that get sent to the White House are selected by the National Turkey Federation from a flock of about 40 that are specifically raised for this auspicious duty. They receive consistent human contact and are played music around the clock to get used to loud noises and voices. A vet who raised the birds chosen for Obama's 2012 pardoning, Dr. Bob Evans, said the following creepy as fuck statement about the selection <laughs> process, quote, you want a bird to be pretty, lots of blue and red and white, but you also need personality. We had one picked out that had all the personality. He was my favorite by far. He did everything right from the beginning, but he never colored. So we had to eliminate him. <laughs> the fun- uh, eliminate? Really? Eliminate to like the full extent of the word. They ate him. Yeah, right. I know. It's like a seriously jarring sentence. To <laughs> Baby. The estimated cost of raising the birds, including their above norm health care, baths, grooming, and serenading is about $375 a pound. These birds weighed at around 40 pounds. So overall, about $15,000 a turkey. Uh, the article said $15,000 a turkey. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the turkey lobby paid that much and didn't hide that number. Look, I didn't go out of my way to do turkey math here. I mean, 1500 makes more sense. Are you, are you sure it's 15000 The article by the American Veterinary Medical Association is titled The $15,000 <laughs> Turkey. Jesus. Okay. So the two birds get chosen and are gifted to the White House by the National Turkey Federation. But first, they stay in specialty suites at the Willard Intercontinental Hotel in Washington, D.C. The hotel costs about $500 a night and is known for hosting presidents and dignitaries. And first turkeys. This is so dumb. I know. 
Yeah. Then, of course, the big day arrives, and the most powerful man in the world is trotted out before cameras on the White House lawn and pardons the two chosen turkeys who did nothing wrong in the first place. Okay? A pardon is so unnecessary for a creature that has never committed a crime. The implication being, I guess, that turkeys are born sinners. All this... All this for a spectacle arranged solely, it seems, to keep Big Turkey inextricably linked to both the holiday table and the White House. Yes. And there is no sacred significance for either turkey or this ridiculous tradition within our culture. The prevalence of the turkey as the focal point of the holiday cornucopia is simply historical happenstance. Yeah, and, and had it been the bird of the country instead of the eagle, like Franklin wanted, eating them may not have even been an option. But here's the thing. If this sounds dumb, it gets dumber. Yeah, according to a real LA Times article titled, Pardon Turkeys, Where Are They Now? Wait. Is the LA Times, like, a subsidiary of TMZ? Isn't all of LA a subsidiary of TMZ? Yeah, good point. Yeah, well, they say that these favored fowl go on to live lavish lives. Yam and Marshmallow, a pair of turkeys pardoned by George W. Bush, went on to live at Disneyland because, according to Bush, they were anxious about going to a place named Frying Pan Park, <laughs> which uh, is a very real place where no. we send these turkeys. The turkeys now alternate between being relocated to Disney World and Disneyland. Apparently, when May and Flower got to Disney World, they had to immediately go on a diet. Yeah, that's because they are bred to be unreasonably fat. Yeah, everyone talks about how healthy turkey meat is, but honestly, to make them that large, they're fed constantly and selectively bred to be just so large. And they suffer from their girth, they are more likely to suffer from joint stress and organ dysfunction, and even the pardon turkeys are at a much higher risk of passing away from their excessive weight. Talk about a beast of burden. <laughs> also, did you know they can't even get laid? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So, big old Tom needs some artificial assistance. The selective breeding has resulted in Tom's, male turkeys, who are incapable of mounting females due to their massive breast size. So because we have to have these big turkeys, humans go out and, quote, stimulate and milk the Toms for their semen, which is the grossest sentence I've ever said on this show. Milk the Toms. Yeah. Yeah, process that one. The hens are then inseminated, and the farmers coerce the hens into breeding year-round by convincing them with lighting that it's springtime, which is when they would naturally breed. Then on top of the ethical dilemma of breeding an animal to the point where it cannot naturally reproduce, there's also the topic of how they're farmed. And this is a contentious topic on its own, so obviously I'm going to jump right into it with my own strong opinions. <laughs> the website for the National Turkey Federation, and I'd like to point out that the web address is eatturkey.org, has an about the industry section that includes a YouTube video that tours a turkey farm and the process through which a turkey is uh, well processed. And get this, to give the tour, they got Temple Grandin. No. Yes. And so I want to start by saying that Temple Grandin has done a lot to improve animal welfare in the meat industry. She invented the machine called a hug box, a machine that is used to reduce the anxiety of individuals with autism like herself. And she applied the use of this device to the meat industry and revolutionized the process through which we slaughter cattle by reducing their level of anxiety um, before they're slaughtered. 
Somehow that still doesn't make me feel much better. In truth, though, I mean, she brought about much-needed reform. She has been recognized for galvanizing necessary improvements in animal welfare throughout the meat industry. And so it absolutely lends credibility to the Turkey Federation to have her endorsement. However, there is no sugarcoating automated slaughter, regardless of whether or not you have the support of a leading animal rights activist. But regardless of that point, the NTF wants as much good press as it can get. These efforts by the turkey lobby work to give the turkey industry an edge in a market that is already difficult to compete in. Not only are chicken and beef leading markets, they're also not as associated with seasonal consumption as turkey is. In 1970, 50% of all turkey consumed was during the holidays. To help combat this lopsided deficit, the turkey industry campaigned to make turkey appealing year-round by advertising it as the healthier meat choice. Now just 29% of all turkey consumed is during the holidays, as more turkey is eaten year-round. And another interesting fact is that in 1920, U.S. turkey growers produced one turkey for every 29 persons in the U.S. Today, growers produce nearly one turkey for every one person in the country. That's, that's insane. That's a lot of turkeys. Mm -hmm. So the efforts of the turkey industry to maintain its wholesome image through association with the narrative of the national holiday has led to the dominance of big turkey, literally every pun intended. Through their influence, they control a number of aspects that directly affect their industry, including the way consumers celebrate a national holiday, the natural selection of the domesticated turkey, and their image as an ethical meat industry that produces a jarring number of turkeys for consumption. Well, this episode was a cluster pluck, <laughs> but I am grateful to be able to give you all something to annoy your relatives with at the dinner table. Yeah, sorry to bust your butterballs with all this preaching. Also, blame Obama for the puns. Yeah, he was good at ruffling feathers. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Well, thank you so much for joining us at A Night In. We hope you enjoy your holiday. And we also hope that uh, while you're enjoying your holiday, you're also enjoying the release of our show, Model Memoirs. Model Memoirs is the unphotoshopped, unfiltered look at the fashion and modeling industry as told by professional veteran model, Rachel Reed. She is going to fuck you up with some truth. And you'll also fall in love with her. I, I dare I you not to. I know. And have a great night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, so the only thing I'm limited by this evening is both my phone and computer are at <laughs> one-fifth their functioning capacity uh, in battery life. Lit. I totally fucked up living on a prayer, like, on every level <laughs> just now. <laughs> you were basically, like, using it legally by changing everything about the song. <laughs> to help save grain and ration food to aid... Mm, has led to the dominant... <laughs> The dominatrix. The domination of turkey. turkey. <laughs> so the efforts of the turkey industry to maintain its fucking... <laughs> just picturing one wearing a harness. <laughs> it's just... He likes to clap. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, we were literally on a butter roll and you failed. <laughs> I know! This episode's gonna have like 10 minutes of episode and then 20 minutes of bloopers. <laughs> just... just <laughs>